The crew break down market separation theory, high, mid, and low end, using the car ladder market indexes. It's all coming up now on SEC. Welcome to episode 39 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm here with Christina, Christina's PC, Nick, Stiff Arm Wax, Josh, Cardboard underscore Chronicles, and I'm Chris, Chris underscore HOJ. Those are all our Instagram handles. Today, we're going to talk about market separation theory in the high, mid, and low end markets in sports cards, a theory that has been percolating in the sports card community for some time, but that has been difficult to prove is the notion that high-end sports cards see greater appreciation than mid-range and low-end sports cards. Josh, when fractional investing platforms first began offering sports cards, a key part of their pitch was that they enabled people of ordinary means to own shares of high-end sports cards, thereby opening up the disproportionately advantageous returns enjoyed by the high-end sports card market to categories of all buyers, I make that point because over the last few years, fractional investing businesses have been built on the premise that high-end sports cards perform better than the rest. So before we go further, could you explain the common understanding of what a high-end sports card is and why why have people traditionally believed that they see a better appreciation than mid-range and low-end sports cards? Yeah, I think um, the most simple definition of a high-end sports card is tied to the value. You know, a sports card that is expensive, um, you know, we're going to obviously attempt to come up with what that number is exactly where the cutoff is. I don't think anyone can put an exact number on what that value is, but I think, you know, the other side of it is that a high-end sports card can be categorized, especially from a collector's perspective, something that's hard to obtain and rare. Um, and in general, you know, the rarer, more, uh, you know, harder to obtain something is, the more expensive it is and the more, you know, it's classified as high end. Um, and your second question, why have people believe that they've seen better appreciation? I think it's just a supply and demand thing. You know, the, the demand for high end is, is greater than the, than the other ranges and the supply is lower in often cases. So you see those two market things at play and you know, you generally get better appreciation on the, the higher dollar stuff. Now, at Card Ladder, we've accumulated quite a bit of sports card data with the fully vetted all-time sales histories built out for nearly 18,000 cards of all price ranges. So we figured it was time to roll out Card Ladder's high, mid, and low-end market indexes and see if, in fact, high-end performs better than the rest. Christina? Yes? Before we get to the data, take a guess. What do you think? Are high-end cards doing better than the rest, or will we discover that there really hasn't been a difference in the markets for high, mid, and low-end cards? I'm going to say high-end has definitely performed better. And why are you going to say that? Because I've seen the data. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right, spoiler alert. All right, well, that's okay, because we're going to get into it here in a second. So, Josh, during Crossover last Friday, the topic of creating these three different indexes came up as we were going back and forth with the live chat. And then I got a message from you on Saturday morning that you had built all three indexes, and then you would be making them available to the public on Monday. So tell me about these indexes. What are the value cutoffs for each of the three, the high, mid, and the low? And roughly, how many cards are in each index? Well, first of all, one of my favorite things about Card Ladder is that we do what we say we're going to do. And we, you know, we, we have these little chats you know, at midnight Eastern, 1 o'clock Eastern with people, and we talk about, hey, we should do that. And then we just do it. 
and we don't really make a big deal about it. Oftentimes, we just kind of roll it out and do it. Humble brag for me and my team. Um, Let me make another humble brag too. If on the topic of humble brags, this is also the first time anything like this has ever been attempted, as well. This is the first time anybody in sports card data tracking has put together a high, mid, and a low end index. So while we're bragging, let me throw that one in there too. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Well, I told you guys when we started rolling out this index stuff that we were going to make it work for a lot of different scenarios, and it was it was a very nice system. Um, so the the values that we came up with, we pretty much agreed right away, uh, Chris. I don't think we even I don't even think there was much debate, and a lot of people seem to agree on social media, which is nice to see. So high end, we we categorize it as anything five thousand dollars and up, and that that makes up for about twenty five hundred of the cards in our system. Mid range is five hundred to that five five thousand, so four thousand nine hundred ninety nine, and then low end is everything below five hundred. I thought about making mid-range go from a thousand to five thousand but i thought that was a little bit too much you know like i'm not sure i would consider you know a thousand dollars to be or like nine hundred dollars to be uh low end i think there's a lot of people out there that you know um that collect five hundred dollars and under and we should give more appreciation to that range and give more shout out and, and make that separation a little bit more clear christina what do you think about those ranges high end five grand and up mid 500 to five grand low below 500 yeah i think it's a great range um i mean i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about some of the cards that i've purchased uh of my side pc and i'm like oh damn like i've crossed the threshold for this like no name player <laughs> like, you're comfortably in the mid range i'm now comfortably in the mid range yeah. yeah. and i like am like the whole purpose of me starting that collection was to be on the low end and like now I've crossed that threshold <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking like should I be like finding you, a new player to go down you, with you can't even stay low end even if you want to I know what's up with this it's what the heck too high end over here okay <laughs> looking at the data let's look at it all right yeah. so our question today is do high end sports cards perform better than mid-range and low-end sports cards. And let's start by looking at how the high, mid, and the low-end indexes have performed over the last six months. So since the middle of May, which was six months ago, the low-end index is down 30%. The mid-range index is down 18%. But the high-end index has increased 11%. That's right. Over the last six months, there is a clear separation among the three tiers. High end has performed the best, mid range the second best, and low end comes in third. Indeed, high end actually has steadily increased over the last six months, even as the other two tiers have decreased. So, Josh, we can glean a few things from this data, I think. One thing that jumps out to me is that the hobby is not monolithic. Uh, some segments can be appreciating while others are losing value at the same time. So what does it signify to you that the high-end index has increased 11% over the last six months, while during that same span, the mid and low-end indexes have gone down? Well, yeah, I, I agree it is interesting because it kind of removes the ability for people to make absolute statements about the hobby, such as all cards are going down, like this is terrible, all, you know, all cards. And I even think it's a bit of a stretch for us to say like all high-end cards are going up and all low-end cards are going down. We we aren't even able to make that absolute of a statement. We're just getting closer and closer to the truth and reality with the data. 
And so this is like one conversation that leads to many further conversations of like high-end basketball, high-end baseball, et cetera. Um, I think to me, this signifies um, that, you know, I, I keep thinking that we kind of reset the hobby during 2020 and it sort of like broke all the rules of, of, you know, the seasonal aspect of the hobby and it broke all the rules of, you know, how many people are in this and, you know, what sort of values are on cards and everything's just kind of been reset. So since then, I think what this now signifies is that since that time period, people have uh, expanded their knowledge of the hobby and they've really grown into the high end and they've started to understand what cards have more rarity, you know, which cards have higher demand. And then they're, they're learning about supply, especially with PSA pop reports on a lot of these cards. And I like to think card ladder plays a, a decent role in that understanding more, you know, there's more data tools coming out, there's more knowledge. And so people are starting to figure out that the high end cards are going to appreciate more. And so like we're seeing that, you know, come to come to, to fruition, basically. Now, what if we throw away the last six months? OK, because they were weird <laughs> and they were following in the wake of a huge run up in price that happened in March and April. So if we just throw those last six months away and let's just look at how the three indexes performed in the 12 months prior. So if we look at the time period from May 2020 until May 2021, during that span, the low-end index appreciated 136%. The mid-range index appreciated 237%. And the high-end index appreciated 351%. So once again, there is clear separation among the tiers, with the high-end performing best, mid-range second, and low-end performing the third best. Even if we look back over the last 17 years to when each index begins, the same pattern holds. Since 2004, the low-end index has increased by a factor of 3.5, the mid-range index has increased by nearly 12-fold, and the high-end index has increased by a factor of 34. So, Christina. Yes. You like to look at houses on Zillow. And you like to throw my guilty pleasures out for the audience <laughs> to hear. I rarely <laughs> see you looking at low-end or mid-range houses. You like to look at... <laughs> The high-end houses. So what is it about high-end things that seems to captivate people? You know, I also chose a high-end fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> high-end um, something. Nice, yeah. <laughs> nicely done. Um, I think that high like when you're looking, like when you're looking at pretty things like houses and cards and art, like you don't you your eye gravitates towards the higher end even if you know it's a pipe dream um and you look at those things because you you want to study them like what makes it high end like what is it about this that i like that other people like so that i can then like go find it in something more in my budget like those different aspects that I've I've been gravitated like I gravitated towards. What was it like? Was it the kitchen? Was it the layout? Like was it the foil? Was it the like chromium? Like what was it about that card or that house that like really captured you? And then you want to think like what like how can I apply this? So where can I find it in my budget? And how can I with a house like turn it into high end? Like after you get it, like renovate, but we don't recommend renovating cards. Just find <laughs> find the ones that that capture you as well in your budget. Shout out card killer. 
Yeah. yeah. Shout out. Killing yeah. cards. Yeah. <laughs> Killing <laughs> cards. Yeah. Uh, okay. Josh is a collector. Uh, will the findings today about the separation in how the high-end, mid-range, and low-end markets perform, uh, w- will that influence the way you collect at all? Um, I don't think it'll change because I've already been kind of doing that. Like I just, I've been talking about consolidation for a couple of years now. Um, a lot of it, you know, it's not because like, I just, I, that I knew high end would outperform. I just kind of could sense that people in the hobby are, you know, going to get smarter, like I was saying earlier, and they're going to start moving into the higher end items. So I just thought like, it just makes more sense to, to, to kind of do that a little bit earlier. Um, and so, you know, I, I was trying to think of an answer to the question you asked Christina. And it's like, for me, it's just like a primal thing. Like we, I just like, you know, people just like nicer things just because like there's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like a, it's a very primal thing. I think back to the episode we filmed about like, why do people collect and like, why do, why are we drawn to like shiny objects and stuff? It's very, it's very simple and very complex at the same time. And so, you know, I don't think I'm going to change much. If in fact, I'll probably like triple down and just keep going higher more and more high end as i can (laughs) christina yes this dovetails nicely with what josh was just observing because psychologists have tried to study this phenomenon Mm. and a 2008 study by researchers at caltech and stanford found that people not only give a better rating to the same glass of wine if they're told it's more expensive but fmri scans of their brain suggest they derive greater pleasure they, they're happier drinking the wine that they're told is more expensive. Even if it's the same wine, they're happier if they think they're drinking the more expensive one. Do you think it works the same way with cards? Is there greater pleasure to be derived from owning the more expensive ones? Well, first off, psychologists are always trying to figure something out. They rarely succeed. And second, I would like to study this study, uh, the sample sizes, how they like delivered the wine, etc. Like what their what were the what were the controls on this, um, and like who were the populace that they tested? Uh, because a wine connoisseur knows their wine. Like you can't just pull one over. That's like handing you like two cards and being like they're the same price. Like it's like no, I know they're not the same price. Um, but anyway, so even if we throw all of that out and assume that this study is correct, which we will for this, uh, this little question you have posed here, um, I think that I forgot the question. <laughs> no, you were, that's a good train of thought. So let me just bring you back in. Okay, yeah, yeah, bring me back in. Does it work that way in sports cards too? Is, are we happier owning more expensive cards? All else equal. I think... I think there is like a euphoria, like a a dopamine hit that you get when you know that you own one of the better cards of a player or like the better card of the hobby. But I think that collectors like at the end of the day, collectors are going to collect hopefully what they like and it's not because someone told them they should like it or because the market says that this is the price. That's the price because people like it. Interesting. And and it's it's worth noting, too, that even if we're willing to grant that there, all other things being equal, owning a more expensive card is you know more exhilarating. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with owning upside or main that. But even if that's true... There are other ways to derive pleasure from the hobby oh, that are sure. not tied to the market of a card and that can make 
on balance, discovering or acquiring a very rare or difficult to acquire card that might not be worth as much, that can be even more pleasurable than, than acquiring a card that is worth more but is readily available and so on and so forth. Um, I can think of one example that will probably get some hate from uh, a lot of people. About, <laughs> well, don't let that stop About 300-plus people will uh, particularly hate me when I say the Fleer Jordan, like... It's not the best looking card. It's not like it's a very expensive card sometimes. Sometimes it's like an extremely expensive card. Um, but there are other cards that I, there are hundreds of cards I'd rather have than that card. Even that are worth much less. Even that, yeah, yes. And definitely. you said that's going to aggravate uh, 300 or so people because yeah. that's how many are in the PSA 10 pop report, right? Okay. Yeah. Interesting there. All right, so Josh, let's bring this on home. Although the high-end market, no doubt, has performed the best, kind of going off what we were just saying, it it doesn't necessarily mean that high-end collecting is more fun um, on balance. So using our criteria for what defines high-end, I've only bought four high-end cards in the last year, though I've bought dozens of cards that would be considered mid-range to low-end, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. So what should collectors of mid-range and low-end cards take away from our findings today as they lick their wounds um, in, in light of the fact that high-end cards just appreciate uh, at a faster clip? So will there ever be a day where mid-range and low-end are, are king? Uh, and even if not, what can we say to mid-range and low-end collectors? Well, the cards that like are in the high-end, I bet you a lot of them came from the low-end and the mid-end. Like the cards that are now categorized as high end were once low end, mid end, and now have seen these gains. So there's still plenty of opportunity in these, you know, quote unquote lower tiers to move up into the higher end category one day. And I think that's kind of where the fun lies. And I think it's where the collector has the upper hand to figure out what, what those are. So there's still plenty of fun and opportunity to be had all across the market. And, you know, I wouldn't let this categorization deter anyone whatsoever. And also, like, if the card is considered low end or mid end, that means it's cheaper and you can get more of them. Like you could build a better collection potentially. That's one of the things that, you know, attracted me to Chris Paul and probably you guys to the players you collect is like, you don't have to spend $5,000 and up to get a card. You can, you can get, you can get more rare, more fun cards in the lower tier. Will there ever be a day that those are King? I, I, I mean, King is a, a relative term, to, depending on what you want to say. Like, I, I would probably argue the hobby's more built on the the low end and the mid end. And another thing is like, one of my favorite strategies uh, is to uh, is to um, accumulate lots of mid end and low end cards over time, and like keep the mail mail days flowing, keep the research and and knowledge building as I accumulate those cards, and then I can turn those cards into high end cards one day, and and sort of like jump over you know, the, the, the barrier financially just by having other cards. So like, there's lots of different ways that you can approach this. That's a great point. And there's also something to be said for the liquidity of the lower end and the mid range and the ease of transacting cards in that range. Whereas when, you know, you get to high end, okay, five, 10 grand, those are still deals. People are pretty comfortable with doing over social media or in person. But when you start talking six figure cards, you know, now we're approaching the uh the 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 severity of like selling a house or buying a house and so 
that it's, it's going to take you longer. You want to go through normally the proper channels, such as an auction house, and it's going to take time for it to list and then sell, and it could be months before you're able to convert a super high-end card into liquid cash, whereas if you have cards in the lower or the middle ranges, you can usually do fundraising with those quite quickly. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, because well. more people have the means to buy those right. smaller transaction cards. And right. they transact usually at a higher volume. Definitely. Okay, well, uh, the data was unambiguous, but the findings that we take away from it are certainly complex and don't tell any one definitive story about the high and the mid-range or the low end. So with that said, that's going to do it for episode 39 of Sports Cards Culture. See you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to subscribe. See you next time at SCC Sports Cards Culture.